Let's face it. As leaders, we are being challenged every single day with new expectations and new realities. One of those realities is the constant moving target we call defining what leadership is. And that's what we'll be discussing today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that challenges small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you to dare to be the exception. Join our host, customer experience expert, Mark Haynes, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you script and direct your business and teams to create jaw-dropping experiences your customers and staff deserve. Here is the host of Experience Leadership, author of Lights, Camera, Action, customer experience expert, Mark Haynes. Welcome to this episode. My guest today is leadership coach, Kelly Valiancourt. We will be delving into the world of leadership and personal growth. We'll be spotlighting why leadership is a moving target and some strategies that you can adopt to adjust and adapt to your new reality. So stay with us. If this is the first time with us, welcome. I'm so glad that you're investing your time and energy into this podcast. I'm hoping that you're going to get tons of value. Feel free to look through the library of the 140 plus other episodes that we have here. Every episode is chock block with amazing content to help make you the kind of leader you want to be. You know, in today's fast-paced and competitive world, effective leadership is more crucial than ever before. Whether you're leading a team at work or driving projects and other aspects of your life, personal and leadership growth can only happen if you are willing to face the storm of obstacles. And here's a hint. It doesn't revolve around being comfortable. Which brings me to our question of the day. Are you willing to take risks, learn from failure, and embrace discomfort in order to become an effective leader? Are you open to being vulnerable and celebrating successes as a team. I'd love to hear your insights. Go ahead and share your experience on social media and make sure that you hashtag it, hashtag experience leadership. I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. My guest for this episode is the founder of Momentum Leadership Coaching, Kelly Valencourt. Kelly is a registered respiratory therapist in Ontario. Get ready to take a deep breath. <laughs> she is a leadership coach and a member of the International Coaches Federation. Kelly loves supporting others in their journey to become the great leaders that they were meant to be. Welcome to the show, Kelly. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me, Mark. It's good to see you. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you do for your clients. Sure, absolutely. I specialize in helping leaders define who they are as leaders and get them the success that they want, both personally and professionally. Wow, that's excellent. We're seeing the leadership landscape change so much and so quickly. I mean, obviously, the pandemic just absolutely put everything on steroids. All of a sudden, we had to learn to become remote leaders. And then, you know, this, what I like to call the almost post-pandemic era, things are shifting so much. When it comes down to this idea of defining one's leadership or who they are as a leader, what's going on? I think people are starting to realize that they absolutely have to have a definition of who they are as a leader because it helps them create a framework for everything else that they are doing. 
when I think about during the pandemic. So uh, my definition of leadership is I help people make sense of what is, I imagine what the future can be, and then I help to get them there. I got that from a company that I took a course from called Blue Dot, and it really anchored me through the entire pandemic because certain parts of the day, I needed to be using that framework for different things. So for example, as new information was coming out, I had to help people make sense of what was happening today, knowing that it could change tomorrow. When I was talking about things that happen are going to happen in the future, you know, we may have to change how we do care. We may need to change that. People struggle with changes. Leaders, we all know that. So I had to help people imagine what that could look like and help people understand why they needed to do that. And then I had to put the things in place and get people the resources that they needed so they could be successful. And what I saw was when leaders didn't know what to do, they struggled. They struggled with credibility on their teams. They struggled with trust because it was like, "Mm, I don't know if you're telling me what I really need to hear. And they didn't have all the answers. There also had to be an element of humility in leadership that I think wasn't, didn't always present itself before. So you mentioned a couple of values in there, and it's values that we've really talked about many times on this show, things like humility. Do you think that that's one of the areas where leaders are falling down today? I do. I think there's an era that has gone and should stay gone, which is that leaders have all the answers. In reality, you can't possibly know all the answers. I think it takes a lot of courage for a leader to say, I don't know, and let's find out. When you're thinking about kind of leaders in today's environments, obviously so many things have changed. What do you think has been the biggest handicaps that leaders have had to face now in adapting from basically the post-pandemic world to the almost, or the pre-pandemic world to the almost post-pandemic world? I think it's lack of clarity about what's expected of yourself as a leader, what's expected of people as they return to the workplace, and what does that look like? Because people have different expectations, and you need to have a conversation to be really clear about what are those expectations? What do you need from me that's different than what you needed from me before as a leader? Some of the most powerful conversations I've had with people is asking the question, What do you want me to start doing, stop doing, and continue doing? Mm, That's interesting. Do you find that this is something that leaders are being able to adapt to willingly? Or is it kind of like pulling, grasping, clawing their way into kind of figuring out what that is? I think it's a little bit of both. I think some people really do value change and embrace change and know it needs to be different. And I think there are some people that feel like, It's always worked for me before, so it will continue to work for me. Leadership takes a lot of reflection. People do need to sit back and take a look at what's working. How is this getting me the results that I need? Or is it getting me the results I need? And if it isn't, what needs to look different? And how do, what skills do I need to develop? And that can be really uncomfortable for people. Sure. Right? It's like, if it worked before, why can't it work now? It's like, well, because we're all very different. We have been through an experience nobody's experienced before. So, you know, from what I'm understanding from what you're talking about, you know, we're seeing this clash between the pressure to conform to certain leadership styles or stereotypes that we've grown up with, rather than really being true to one's own values and strengths. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. 
And for me, again, it comes back down to clarity. What does that mean for you? When I have my definition of leadership, I also have behaviors that are attached to it. So if I'm sense-making, who's my audience? What's their communication style? Am I actually getting my point across? How do I know? I have to ask those questions. What did you hear me say? Mm -hmm. And when I'm looking at visioning in the future, it's, oh, you know, what's the art of possible given the resources I have? And again, those take time to think about what are those behaviors that are attached to those values and how are they showing up? That takes reflection. It takes time to really sit back and say, what worked today? What didn't work today? Right. And again, to your point, it takes humility to, and it really does take parking your ego at the door to make that happen. I really love your phraseology, your language around the art of possibility. Could you touch a little bit on that? Yes, I jokingly have been told I need to think inside the box once in a while and not outside of the box so much. But I always like to see what's new and what's different. How can we take something that maybe you've learned in the service industry and apply it to patient care because and the patient experience? Because it's not just one and done in the healthcare system. You know, there's lots of points of care access and What does that look like each time for the patient? How are we treating the patient as a whole versus, you know, I'm here to get my knee replaced, for example, or I'm here because I have a throat infection. It's an entire experience. And that patient comes with a story, a support system, a value system. How are we integrating all of those things? Because that's really important to me as a leader that we embrace the patient as a whole. So you're talking through the healthcare profession. As you were speaking about that, I was thinking about all the correlations to retail and service-based businesses and hospitality. That sentence or that thought process that you just brought forward would apply to, you know, when somebody comes into your store, I always joke about people don't come to buy a drill because they need to make a hole. They're buying a drill because they want to hang a picture or they want to assemble something or build a bureau or fix a bureau, whatever, right? So understanding, kind of understanding the overarching need of the people we're dealing with is so incredibly valuable and needed, especially when it comes down to our employees. Yeah, absolutely. They come in. Our staff are experiencing all kinds of things on on top of being employees, right? They are part of a family network. They are part of a social network. They are part of, you know, maybe a faith-based community. Mm -hmm. They bring all of that experience with them. And how do you integrate that and take the best of that and give it to your to your customers? Would you say that that's the same when you need to be problem solving with your teams? Oh, 100%. There is so much rich experience when you're working with teams. And some of the best problem solving I've ever had has come in a collaborative fashion. So and I can give you an example. We were revamping the flow in our emergency, in our pediatric emergency department. So we knew that our wait times were too long. It causes stress for families. It causes stress for kids because, you know, no kid wakes up in the morning and says, I'm excited to go to an emergency department. So we really thought about how can we make this better? We took an idea from a different hospital and we brought it to the team. We used our child life specialists. We used our charge nurse group. We used our physicians. We used our business clerks and talked about how can we reframe this and revamped the flow. We put the flow in charge 
we gave it to the child life specialists actually and said, you're responsible for making sure that we maintain flow in collaboration with the charge nurse that had never been done before. And we got results that improved our performance and got patients in faster, got their diagnosis and got them out of the department faster, which was a win for all of our families. We could not have done that if it wasn't a collaborative approach. And we used other services. We even got families involved. We told them what we were doing and said, you know, we need your help. And they were more than happy to provide us feedback because we had them moving in and out. It was sort of, you know, jokingly said it was like the Disney experience. You never stayed in one spot for very long. And we got really positive feedback from the families that it was a better experience because they were always feeling like they were moving forward instead of, you know, getting called into a room where you wait for another two hours with nothing to do. I love it. You know, my background is all about designing experiences. And, you know, I have a feeling that we could do a whole nother episode just on being able to problem solve experiences and figuring out what it is that we need versus what it is our clients need and our end users and so on, all through the journey that people take with us. And, and so what you've just talked about just pulls so strongly to my heartstrings. You know, I'd love to dig into some suggestions and ideas that we can use to help leaders uncover some of their barriers. And I'd like to get to that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with a new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Hain. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhain.com. Welcome back. I am speaking with the leadership coach, Kelly Valencourt. It seems to me, Kelly, that leaders through time have always had to project certain qualities, almost inhuman qualities. How important is it now for leaders to become, for lack of a better term, more human? I actually think it's the way to success. People do not want fake leaders anymore. They don't want that inauthentic leader who never has a bad day, who never has a mistake, who can't admit that they've made a wrong judgment call. They also want to feel like they're part of the decisions. And it's really interesting because when you do that, people make the right decision. I always say, said to the teams that I led, put the patient at the center of the decision and it's almost impossible to make a bad decision. And people would say, oh, well, what about? And it's like, well, let's work through that. And it's like, how's the patient in the center of that? Even as simple as you know, taking a break. It's important to take a break because if you don't take a break, you're going to be hungry. You're going to be cranky. You haven't gone to the bathroom. How are you giving that the best you have to that patient if you're not looking after yourself? So please take your break. And people are like, oh, you know, put the patient first. Mm -hmm. And if you don't see your leaders doing the same thing and role modeling that humanity, you can't give yourself permission to be human. Yes. And we are human. We have that good days, bad days, strengths, opportunities for improvement. And people want that, that authenticity, that here's how I show up. It's interesting that you said that because, you know, the people above us can be the people that we're trying hard to emulate. You know, it's hard for us to, and, and I, I fall back onto the book um, from the uh, president of Facebook, Sally Sandberg, I believe. Cheryl Sandberg? 
where no. she was she was talking about you know how hard it was when she had children that all of a sudden you know at five o'clock she had to go and that she would pack up her computer and she would because she had children at home and the guilt that she felt doing it and how people would look at her and how she felt people would be looking at her in today's day and age when you want to be that human leader and you have a leader above you who seems to think that effective leadership means that you're the first one in and the last one out. How does one contend with the kind of the clash of cultures one might see in the various hierarchy of leadership? I think that comes down to having some really honest conversations around boundary setting and expectations. Mm. That certainly exists even today. 100%. I see leaders all the time who are struggling saying, I really have to run. I've got to get home to this. And I still see them half an hour later. And it's like, go, right? It's all going to be here tomorrow. I think it's a, that's where you do have to start having some conversations to say, these are some drop dead non-negotiables for me. And here's what I will do to make up for it. I can think about a time. So I roller skate with my daughter on Thursday nights and that's a drop dead non-negotiable for me. And I had to leave 4.15 on a Thursday, every Thursday. My husband met, drop, we did the drop off and then we continued on because it was about 45 minutes outside of where we lived. And I just told my program secretary, you cannot book meetings past 3.30 on a Thursday. I will come in early. I will do whatever I need to do. This is non-negotiable. And it worked out. When people started to learn on Thursdays, they would joke around, oh, is it roller derby night? Yep, it's roller derby night. And we go and we have fun. And, you know, there was, I always took a week off in December because my other daughter does shows in the community. That was non-negotiable. That was how I got ready for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I worked, you know, every New Year's Eve, which happens to be my birthday. But that's what I negotiated with team members so that I could, be off on that week and be the mom that I needed to be. Are they easy conversations? No, they're not easy conversations. Did it hurt my career? No. I still got the work done. I just had to do it in different ways. And I think people still struggle with that. They, people are ambitious. They want to do the best job that they can do. And they want to be really good parents at the same time. Sometimes those are in conflict. And, you know, when you take that a step further and understand that we are also now in the middle of a sandwich generation where we are taking care of not only our children, but we have parents that we're taking care of as well. But, you know, what's interesting about that is from a leadership perspective, we have to set those parameters and communicate that to our team. But as an effective leader, we also have to understand that our team members also have requirements, conditions, and things that should be non-negotiables. And I think, how does a a leader enter into those conversations, do you think? I think with an openness and a willing to problem solve, it can't always just be a yes or no. So for example, if somebody has problems with daycare and a clinic opens up at eight o'clock in the morning, but they can't drop their child off till 8.30, okay, is there somebody else that can start at eight and you can work till 4.30 because there's always cleanup at the end of the day? Nurses are really good about working things out with themselves. I'll come in half an hour early. If you stay half an hour for me, I'll come in and stay for you some other time and negotiate that. And I think those are reasonable things to look at because our lives are busy and it's not just all about work anymore. I think there's also opportunity as long as skill sets are the same, you know, 
approve switches. I know some people that are absolutely know that's your schedule and they don't make switches. It's like, you know what, if that's helping two people, then what's the harm in it? You know, sometimes it ends up with being seven-way switches and that gets really creative in scheduling when you're working in a business, but it can be done. And then it makes people willing to work with you when you have to do some things that maybe are not so non-negotiable. Right, right. You know, that flexibility is absolutely integral. Are there other ingredients that people need to consider when becoming that effective leader? I think knowing different communication styles is really key. Mm-hmm. Because we communicate the way we like to be communicated to, not necessarily to our audience. So we need to know what that is. And there's lots of different styles out there. So take the time to learn. I also think that sometimes we have conversations we don't need to have. And I think we need to be really clear on what's the intent behind having that conversation. What's the purpose of it? Is it to improve connection between people? And are there different ways to do that? Is it to convey information? Is it to change performance, maybe? Be really clear on why you're having that conversation and be kind about it as well. I think kindness is underrated in leadership. I think you can be a really kind leader and be firm at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. So I think communication, kindness, compassion, they all go together. You're speaking to the choir. One of my taglines is to lead with love and kindness first. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned unnecessary conversations. Can you give me an example of what an unnecessary conversation is? There's a lot of storytelling in healthcare sometimes, things that happen on shifts that, you know, maybe don't need to be carried forward. You can have different conversations. You know, sometimes it's really about you're trying to get a connection with somebody. Maybe you can have that in a different way about finding something else outside of work that you have in common. Gotcha. Maybe it is you're complaining about that's a great way for people to hardwire connection, but it's not really the healthiest way. So complaining maybe about what upper management are doing as opposed to asking the question, why do you think they're doing that? I think one of the best leadership lessons I ever learned is most of us are reasonable, rational people. And we all show up to do the best job we can in that day. It may not be 100% of what they gave yesterday, but it's still 100% of what they have to do today. Yeah. This is a fascinating conversation, Kelly. Could you just quickly let us know how we can get in touch with you? If somebody wants to reach out and and work with you or pick your brain on uh, an aspect that they're experiencing in their work life, how can somebody get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. They can reach out through LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. And they can email me at kelly at MomentumLeadershipCoaching.com. Awesome. You know, part of what I see as a consultant in in, uh, hospitality and tourism and retail is this idea that leaders themselves have to compensate, are trying to compensate for their own limitations and self-doubt. Could we talk a little bit about how one comes to grips with the fact that, you know, they expected that they should know it all and they don't and they are afraid to lose face with their team members and the people who they work with? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's hard because that comes with discomfort, right? Disclosing what I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I got caught enough times as a young leader, really not knowing what I was doing. that I learned the hard way, it's just better to fess up. So when I first started leading, 
I really did believe if you, you know, looked after people, then that would be enough. And it would, and I didn't have a great vision for where we wanted to go. And so it was like a professor said to me, because I went back to school to learn about leadership, because I was like, I don't understand. I'm feeding these people. I'm like bringing them coffee and muffins. And she turned to me and said, Kelly, they will eat your muffins. That doesn't mean they're going to follow you. You need to be a leader for people to follow you. And I was like, oh, and that started me on this 20 year journey of how to be a leader that people will follow. So I had to learn that I didn't know about how to get resources necessarily. And that was really uncomfortable for me to say, I don't know. Now I know to follow it up with, and I'm going to learn. And when people saw that I tried and I wasn't always successful, but I tried, and then I'd come back and explain what happened and why I wasn't successful. People were far more understanding and willing to take a chance the next time. And I learned from that. And there's also something really powerful when somebody comes to you with a problem and you turn to them and you say, well, what do you think? (laughs) I remember the first time I ever did that, it was something to do with a, we were putting together a banquet for something and and one of the setup crew came to me with a problem and I said, what do you think? And he looked at me and he goes, but you're the boss. And I said, yeah, but you're working in that room. You understand that room better than anybody. It's like, what do you think we should do? And there was something really powerful about that interaction because all of a sudden we created an automatic accountability to the outcome of what was going to happen. And because of that, he took better ownership of the issue. He took better ownership of the outcome. And because of that, it just, it solved itself. (laughs) Yeah. I have an example similar to that when we were practicing team-based models of care because we knew the next wave of the pandemic was coming, we created it. We actually simulated the day and we had a to-do list of things that worked and things that didn't work. And people saw things, they wrote it down. We actually had somebody where they just had to run by and say, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And we took the list, me and my clinical leader at the time, and we worked through the list and people saw it. And we came out and said, what do you think? Would this work? Would that work? And all of a sudden, it was like we were being asked to share everything that we had done because we knew it was actually operational. So if we were ever faced with it, we knew we were prepared better than what we would have been if it was like you just walked in to find out there was one staff that day and, you know, 15 patients to look after. And what does that look like? And it was really powerful because And people thought I was crazy. I'm like, no, we're going to do it. We're going to actually live it live. And you're like, well, why do we need to? And it's like, because it looks good on paper, but I don't know if it's actually going to work live. So let's try it. And so people were patient with me and they tried it and we got a lot out of it. We involved patients. We got feedback from patients, what they felt comfortable doing, what they didn't feel comfortable doing. And it was a really positive experience. So I've lived that experience. It's awesome. And what a great way to gamify innovation. Like when you think about it, when you think about how we problem solve and, you know, the fact that I believe that most leaders are incidental leaders. They're people who were promoted into a role. They've never been trained how to be a leader or they've started their own business. They've never trained to be a leader. And yet, you know, we are so afraid of stepping into those roles and failing that we fail to look at how much fun it could be to test and to innovate and to fall f- and really to fail forward. 
Do you have any comments about that before I move on to, because I have an, another question coming up. Yeah, I do actually. It's funny you say that because I say all the time, we become leaders by chance. We become great by choice. Ah. It really does. You know, somebody saw something and said, you should go into leadership. I think for me, it was, they wanted to stop me from complaining about all the things that were wrong. <laughs> it's like, okay, go solve the problems if you think it's so easy. And then I got in there and I realized, oh, there's this whole system around me that I really don't know about. And yeah. it gives you a completely different vantage point. So then I had to start learning. How do you communicate? How do you collaborate? How do you use strategy? How do you do all of these things to get you to where you want to be? And that started me reading every leadership book, taking courses and really applying and just trying it out. And that is my number one advice to any organization. When you promote people into leadership roles, please find ways to train them. Give them the tools. But, you know, we, we earlier on, we talked about this idea of humility, people getting promoted. Like, I, I know that I've talked to a lot of people who got promoted into it. They're like, I was such a good, like, I was the best welder, and they promoted me because of that. And now I just don't understand why I suck so much. How can leaders test their capacity? Because we don't know what we don't know. And so how does one go ahead and, and figure out what it is that I need to do to develop myself? What? Where am I falling down? How do I do this? I think I would, my best advice for a leader who's feeling that way is to grab a journal and write down the question, what is a good leader? What behaviors do they have? And then ask yourself the question, how do I compare to that leader? And that might be a really good starting point. It's interesting because you're talking about self-reflection at the same token. Could they go out to people and say, what do you expect out of your leader? Absolutely. And I would actually honestly recommend having conversations with people that you, that are your direct reports. So when I start in a new team now, I try to meet with everybody and I ask the question, what makes a good day for you? What makes a bad day for you? How will I know when you're having a bad day and what does support look like for me? And those questions help me understand what people are looking for from me as their leader. I love that. And right there, that is the price of admission right now to this podcast. If you're listening to this, watching this, write those questions down because those are really, really powerful questions. When somebody defines and, and goes through and knows that things aren't right, though, how do they, again, we don't know what we don't know. How do they, what would you suggest that they do to overcome their shortcomings? I would suggest they get a coach or they get a mentor mm. to help them uncover those blind spots because it is really hard to see what you don't know. You may think you're a great communicator and then, you know, you go and a coach can maybe go and talk to some people to get an idea of your communication style. So you're coming back saying, well, people are angry at me or people are not getting it. They're not understanding. And it's like, hmm. Okay, so have you thought about how they want to communicate? What's important to them? What language do they use? Are you using their language or your language? Because it's not going to resonate to somebody if, it, if they don't hear their language. And so they can help you uncover those things. Sometimes you need to figure out, do some self-development. There's lots of, there's a million things out there that can help you figure out what your strengths are. 
my personal one that I love the most is strength finders. And because it gives people an opportunity to say, well, this is what I'm good at. Here's what I can work on. And then for things that you're not great at, find strategies, find people to help you overcome that. I'm not a detail-oriented person, so to ask me to proofread something really is not going to get you very far. So I would hand that off to somebody else to say, can you do this? And in exchange, I'll do this for you because I can do this. So you find different ways. I do think you need a trusted mentor or a coach to help you uncover what those blind spots are. I love that. And I would suggest anybody getting promoted into a leadership role, one of the first questions you should ask is, who will be my mentor as we make the adjustment? Because the job description is entirely different from being the technician to being the leader of technicians. So that's something that we need to do. I'd love to touch into some cautionaries as people want to make the change. One of the things I uh, absolutely abhor is band-aid thinking, where it's like, okay, we're going to just do this. So I'd like to get into some cautionaries, and we'll get to that right after this. Attention, meeting and event planners. Is your company or association planning a live or virtual conference, seminar, staff retreat? Are you looking for a fresh, energetic perspective on what it takes to put on a jaw-dropping experience for your customers or staff? Book customer experience expert Mark Hain for your next group event. Past participants have said, Mark kept us in stitches while teaching us how important and powerful actually designing our customer experience can be. Read more testimonials and find out how Mark can serve you and your group at markhain.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. Welcome back. I hope you are getting tons from today's episode. As you can tell, Kelly and I are absolutely passionate about today's topic. If you belong to an organization that could use our help or you or someone you know might be planning a leadership retreat or a conference, why don't you drop us our line? Our contact information is in the show notes. We'd love to explore how we could be of service to you and your people. Kelly, you know, like I mentioned just before the break, I abhor when people do Band-Aid thinking around certain problems. When somebody starts thinking about this idea of developing new ways of being able to reflect themselves as a leader, new ways of being able to define how and what they do. Are there any cautionaries about what we're talking about today? Definitely. Take your time. Don't rush it. I had my initial leadership definition was leadership through service. And I knew for a long time it didn't really fit me, but I didn't rush to get a new definition of leadership. I actually had conversations. One of the best conversations I've would have with people is, what is your definition of leadership? And it started all kinds of different things and different paths. So I could take bits and pieces of it. And I really waited to find the next one that landed with me. Is it going to stay with me forever? I don't know. But for now, it fits me really well. So take the time and also find a friend. Don't try to do this on your own or find a coach, find a mentor, because leadership can be lonely. It shouldn't be. It should actually feel like you always have people around you as a leader. So if it's feeling lonely, then go find people to talk to. Go talk to your team, get to know them. And again, it's going to take a lot more time than you realize. It's not an overnight thing because you're going to learn more about yourself as a person. And I jokingly said a long time ago, 
actually I say it all the time. I started on a leadership journey to be a better leader. I had no idea it was going to start out with me being the best version of myself first. I love that. That is such a good reflection of what it takes. It's you have to start inside before you can work on the outside. And to your yeah. point, you know, the, you know, people getting a coach, we've done episodes on this podcast about how to assess whether or not you need a coach. I do invite people to check out those episodes. However, at the same token, there's, like you said, there's so much, re so many resources out there. I mean, in Canada, we have Tech Canada, which is a really great organization for you to be able to meet other leaders and discuss, like people who are non-competitive, to discuss challenges that you might have in your business or in your leadership styles or leadership capacity. There's things like the Global Leaders Organization, which uh, is all through the United States, but it's coming, it's peeking its head into Canada right now as a way for peers to be able to get together and be able to have really great conversations that are safe spaces for you to be authentically who you are and be able to admit the stuff that you're having challenges with. And, and to Kelly's point, I mean, this idea of Getting a coach, I think, is a fabulous, fabulous opportunity. Kelly, any other cautionaries as people try to rip the Band-Aid off? Don't just follow one leader. There's lots of different styles of leadership and lots of great things that different people have to offer. So find a whole bunch that you can relate to and learn from. Wonderful. Kelly, this has been just absolutely so much fun and so eye-opening. Could you just remind everybody one more time how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. You can contact me through LinkedIn. I would love to hear about your definition of leadership through there. And also Kelly at MomentumLeadershipCoaching.com. Excellent. And as we wrap up, do you have any last thoughts? Have fun with leadership and make sure that you celebrate your successes because you do have them all the time. And sometimes they seem small, but celebrate them. I love that. You know, I always say you go to work every day to play. Just go and have fun. And, you know, you'll have crisis, you'll have problems, but you also celebrate the fact that, you know, when you overcome those things, that's the real, the real kind of payoff, the return on investment for you going into work every day to have fun. Kelly, thank you again. I really appreciate you being here to share your knowledge, your passion, your expertise. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thank you. If you have any questions about today's episode or you would like a complimentary 30-minute brainstorming session with you and your team, feel free to book yourself on my online calendar. The link is down below. It's the one that's marked meetwith.markhain.com. As always, I am at your service. And if you haven't done so yet, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this podcast? Follow me on social media and please feel free to put comments down. I would love to hear a review or your thoughts about this episode. Thanks again for joining me today. My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com for a full directory of available episodes. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please share it and tell your friends about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.